ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. You're listening to Breakdown, an exclusive podcast by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This season, Predator M.D., part of the Journal-Constitution's special investigative project, Doctors and Sex Abuse. You can learn more about the project and this podcast at ajcbreakdown.com. Previously on Breakdown. He made me stay again, stand against the wall. He made me put like my arm like that on the wall and, and stand it. And he was just like, you know, like touching my breasts. Well, how does anybody practice? Do you have a chaperone every time that you see a female patient? There are people that are absolutely not curable. Listen, this is a hard enough to cure if you're motivated. I'm there basically in a room helpless by myself, taken advantage of. I felt that he used his knowledge and his power to do that. After her doctor abused her, it took LaToya Kelly weeks to process what had happened. The first appointment, with his ungloved hand reaching into her pants, telling her boyfriend to get out of the room. The second time, with both hands on her breasts, his head cocked back in pleasure, the hugging and kissing as she came and went saying he wanted to be her friend first and her doctor second. LaToya finally stopped doubting herself. I wanted to bring it to the light. I wanted to make it known, but just knowing that this can happen, be aware. Dr. Vinny Gupta's own employees were some of the first people to validate her. According to the civil lawsuit LaToya filed in 2009, an echocardiogram operator told her she'd had her own troubles with the doctor. LaToya remembers someone from his office whispering to her on the phone, encouraging her to come forward. One of Gupta's nurses quietly added LaToya's name to a list she was keeping, with three other women who had complained about being inappropriately touched, a police report says. The nurse passed the list of names on to the Georgia Composite Medical Board, which would pass it along to a detective with the city of Johns Creek Police Department. In late March 2009, LaToya got a call. This is LaToya. Hi, I'm trying to get in touch with uh, LaToya Kelly. This is she. Hi, Miss Kelly. This is Detective Kevin Rampley with Johns Creek Police Department. Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, sorry to surprise you with a phone call like this, but um, I got your name from um, the state medical board. Are you familiar uh-huh. with what's going on? Yes, I am. I was given your name because apparently it some type of incident, not sure what, uh, took place against you, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Gupta. And I was uh-huh. I just wondering if you would be willing to talk to me about what took place and uh, everything. Yes, I would. Welcome to Episode 4. I'm Johnny Edwards, an investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
We've reached the point in our story where Dr. Narendra Vinny Gupta found his way to our state, our community. Canada had made him Ohio's problem. Now Ohio had made him Georgia's problem. This time, there would be no handling matters quietly, no keeping his transgressions out of law enforcement hands. This time, Gupta would be called out, publicly. But would there be justice? Latoya played a role in bringing Gupta's abuses to light. In a matter of months, she had gone from a woman enthralled with this charming diabetes hypertension specialist to a woman repulsed by this narcissistic serial abuser. Like a lot of his patients, Latoya had been drawn into Dr. Gupta's world by his internet persona, by his YouTube videos like this one, titled Myths About Health, where Dr. Gupta seems philosophical. Hi, this is Dr. Narendra Kumar Gupta welcoming you to a series of presentation about health. We have a feeling that if I don't know something is wrong with me, I will not be affected. Health is a very important aspect of our life. But how did it ever get to this point, where he could post these videos and draw people into his clinic in the wealthy suburbs north of Atlanta? After all we've gone over about Narendra Kumar Gupta's history in the past two episodes, the alleged attacks on nurses, the lawsuits, the alleged patient groping, the discipline from hospitals, the relapse in treatment, how did he manage to just pick up from Ohio and set down in one of the most populous areas of the New South? Georgia's Composite Medical Board, appointed by the governor, is charged with screening doctors who move in from other places seeking licenses. But meeting minutes show the medical board rubber-stamped Gupta's medical license application on July 12, 2002, with no restrictions and no special conditions. His name appeared on a list with about 170 other applicants. There's nothing in the record showing his application received any extra scrutiny. All these human elements that go into how could somebody slip through the cracks, it could happen. That's Dominic Crea, a retired attorney who was an assistant Georgia attorney general at the time assigned to work with licensing boards. He was at that 2002 medical board meeting. He doesn't remember it specifically. Why would he? But he spoke to me frankly about what might have happened. And not to, to demean anybody, but we're just a, we're human and we make mistakes. And looks like this guy, to, for the board to give him his license, was, in hindsight, was a big mistake. Gupta had been shielded from criminal consequences in Ohio. But it's not as if everything that happened had been scrubbed from the records, leaving the Georgia Medical Board to fumble in the dark. Actually, I discovered in my investigation, one of the hospitals that revoked Gupta's privileges had left a trail of breadcrumbs about what went on. Georgia could have, and should have, picked up on it. Here, we have another breakdown. Court records show that Lima Memorial, the hospital that made Gupta go to treatment at his own expense, eventually reported him to the National Practitioner Data Bank. That's a repository of disciplinary actions taken against medical practitioners, used by state medical boards and hospitals in credentialing physicians. Hospitals are obligated by federal law to enter adverse actions into the database. But there can be abuses of this rule, negotiations between doctors and hospitals on what gets reported, and there are legal loopholes. Thanks to the science of data reporting, we have a very good idea of what Lima Memorial entered into the data bank about Gupta. Jeff Ernsthausen is an Atlanta Journal-Constitution data wizard whose innovations helped make last year's Doctors and Sex Abuse Project possible. Jeff has access to the public version of the National Practitioner Data Bank, which conceals doctors' names. 
But Jeff has stockpiled so much public information, he can triangulate, cross-reference, and pinpoint which doctor is which. Only one doctor in the National Practitioner Data Bank has records in Georgia in 2009, 2011, and a record in Ohio uh, from 2010. So then uh, we've taken a look at that, and we just want to make sure that we haven't messed anything up. We're going to go and look at the exact records of this guy in... Jeff used Gupta's date of birth, which I found in court records, the dates of public medical board orders handed down after his arrest, and his medical school graduation year to find him. So how certain are we that this is, this is Gupta we're looking at? As we said in our reporting, this, there, is, there is only a single doctor who has the same disciplinary history that we know of for Gupta. So unless he has been completely unreported to the National Practitioner Data Bank, which would be a violation of the law for uh, the hospital and the various medical boards that have reported him, um, it seems highly unlikely that these records would be related to any other individual. So then, what did Lima Memorial report that the Georgia Composite Medical Board should have seen? This. Gupta had been reported for, quote, unprofessional conduct, end quote. This had led to, quote, suspension of clinical privileges slash panel membership, end quote, in 1996. Now, at that time, the forum had no code for sexual misconduct, but George's board would have known that something was amiss with Narendra K. Gupta, and the medical board would have access to a narrative describing the unprofessional conduct, something Jeff and I can't see as public users. But whatever ended up in the database, would George's medical board have necessarily looked at it? To help us understand the application process, I used Georgia's open records law to find out what a physician license application looked like in 2002. One page required doctors to access and obtain their own practitioner's data bank records, paying the $10 fee themselves, and to turn it in with their applications. So, wait a second. That means, assuming everything was on the up and up, Gupta would have been required to turn his data bank records over himself with that glaring red flag. A board member or staffer who saw this then could have called their counterparts in Ohio and asked them pointed questions. The fact is, with all these medical board records kept private, we can't really tell what happened when Georgia received Gupta's application, how thoroughly the state backgrounded him, what Gupta turned in or didn't turn in, whether he disclosed what happened in Ohio or not, how he got through. As a school child, I was taught a stitch in time saves nine. And I want to tell you that I can bury my head in the sand and say it'll disappear. Illness and ill health is not going to disappear. Dominic Crea, the former assistant attorney general, has a feeling it was plain old bureaucratic inefficiency, a staff of too few, responsible for too much. He explained to me how license applications were handled back then. First, an administrative staffer would read through the packet just to make sure all the forms were completed. Then the application went to the executive director for double-checking. Then a board member, someone with a more scrutinizing eye, would review the files. There was a lot of room for human error. That person might be near lunch. They're flipping through the pages, and they don't really read it. You know what I mean? Just in terms of, I was tired that day, and, and I put it in the stack of approval, and, and no one ever looked at it again. Or the supervisor looked at it, he, would look, he or she might look at every fifth file, and this was the second file. You know, he didn't do the, do the review, because not every person can do a 100% review of every file. Or, Crea explained, a staffer or board member might have seen those red flags in the National Practitioner Data Bank, 
but found them unremarkable. Gupta had no public disciplinary orders on file with the State Medical Board of Ohio, so the person in Georgia may have just figured, whatever happened up there, Ohio wasn't concerned enough to make a big fuss of it. I would say the most likely thing was they looked at it, they got this data bank, Ohio said, we didn't take formal action. That was it, it was over. With a medical license in hand, this doctor who caused so much turmoil in a small blue-collar Midwestern town began practicing in the metropolis of Atlanta. Diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, obesity are all silent killers. They slowly but relentlessly progress, and it gets worse and worse. In one of his depositions back in Ohio, the one from the lawsuit against the newspaper, Gupta had complained that all the negativity there was wrecking his reputation and causing his business to dry up. In an article about him by an Indian American community website, which Gupta posted on his clinic website, he said getting remarried prompted his move to Atlanta. In October 2001, he married a family medicine doctor, and for about two years, they worked together at an office in Swanee, some 30 miles northeast of Atlanta. Then, in 2004, the couple separated. Gupta opened his own clinic, the Diabetes and Hypertension Center in North Fulton County. This area of Metro Atlanta was the suburbs of the suburbs, an affluent pocket of unincorporated Fulton County. Known for its top-notch schools, clean living, upscale subdivisions, miles of strip malls, and a lot of road names with the word bridge in them. Gupta's building was at Medlock Bridge Road, along a busy thoroughfare. In the ensuing years, Dr. Gupta became a fixture in both the Indian American community and in the business community at large. He got involved with the local chamber of commerce and would show up at festivals and community events to give free checkups or cholesterol checks. He became respected, a man with clout. He was also active in the local Hindu temple, Kavita Chibber is a freelance journalist who wrote a story about Gupta for her multimedia website. He was uh, uh, definitely active in the temple community, and uh, there are a lot of community activities going on there from educating uh, children and empowering and the youth, and uh, I'm sure he went and spoke about health and wellness. He did go there, and as I mentioned that in the evenings, he gave away a lot of free samples to people who were poor, who couldn't afford medical care. Kavita said she came to consider Dr. Gupta a friend. She described him as deeply spiritual, offering to help out anyone in the Indian community who couldn't afford health care, and always a gentleman around her. He really um, came across as somebody with a very good heart and very good intentions. So, like I said, all of this caught us completely off guard when this whole thing came out. But then, you know, you realize that there's not just one side to us. All of us have these multiple personalities or compulses or impulses. Thursday, March 19th, 2009. That afternoon, a 911 call. Emergency service, Eric Schwinn, can I help you? I need to do a uh, sexual abuse report. Okay, where did it occur at, sir? At the doctor's office here in Fulton County. Okay, may we have an address or a cross street so I know? Uh, yes, I'm in um, 10160 Metlock Bridge. Okay, and where are you right? Are you at that location right now? Yes, I just showed up. It happened, it happened this morning. The man on the phone had been friends with Dr. Gupta for years. They had been neighbors in Sugarloaf Country Club, a gated golf community not far away in Duluth. And the person who was molested? My daughter. Okay. Was 
doctor or yeah, doctor. Doctor. Okay, and how old is your daughter? 17. The details would turn your stomach. The girl and her family didn't want to participate in this podcast, so none of them will be named. The teenager would tell police that she went to Gupta that day for a quarterly shot. Usually, her mother went with her, but on that day, her uncle dropped her off. The doctor had her get undressed and put on a gown. During his exam, a nurse knocked on the door, trying to get into the room with him. Gupta wouldn't let her in. Police reports say Gupta groped the girl so roughly, repeatedly squeezing her breasts and pushing them together, that a nurse later found her crying nonstop. Red marks on her chest. It's all right, he allegedly told her. I'm a doctor. The girl would also tell investigators he put his fingers in her underwear, but she squirmed until he stopped. For this 17-year-old, this sort of treatment was especially devastating. This is Susan Witt, one of the attorneys the family would later hire to sue Gupta. Patients, particularly a patient of this age who's never had a boyfriend, never been in a sexual relationship, she's raised in a culture that you save yourself for marriage, and for this to be her first experience with any sexual touching is very traumatic for her. And then she's concerned about, you know, is anybody going to want me in the future? Am I damaged goods? But the civil case would come later. The 911 call placed by the teenager's father triggered a criminal investigation immediately, an investigation that would prove to be Gupta's undoing. Ocean breeze, tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Detective Kevin Rampley caught the case at the Johns Creek Police Department. Rampley had a military background and had quickly risen from a deputy jailer to a violent crimes investigator during the decade he worked for the Cherokee County Sheriff's Office. He had switched to the Johns Creek Police Department just a year earlier. Tall and bespectacled, Rampley had a deliberate style of interviewing that would come in handy in interview after interview with the traumatized women. His superiors wouldn't give him clearance to talk to me for this podcast. According to his investigative reports, Detective Rampley talked to Gupta only briefly that first day. Gupta told him he didn't understand what was going on. Rampley said he'd get back to him after he found out more. He found out a lot more. Rampley teamed up with a Georgia Medical Board investigator, Agent Adrian Baker. Baker persuaded Gupta's nurse to hand over that list of names. The investigators paid Gupta an unannounced visit at his clinic. He said he would only talk to the medical board agent, not to Detective Rampley. I found Baker's 11-page case review in the district attorney's files. That report is the only record I can find of Gupta undergoing any kind of interrogation about the things he did in Atlanta. Gupta took Baker to a break room. She asked him about the 17-year-old patient. Gupta said she was from a well-off family that was having trouble in the flagging economy. Baker asked him if the girl was upset or crying. Gupta said, no. Gupta admitted he had checked her breasts. As he spoke, he showed the agent how he did it, with hand movements. Baker noted that his hands were both wide open, with his fingers spread out, 
then curling in as if he was holding something in both hands. It was, Baker noted, a groping motion, and Gupta said he pulled on the girl's nipples. On April 1st, Detective Rampley had obtained two warrants against Gupta, two counts of misdemeanor sexual battery for what he'd done to the 17-year-old and Latoya. The detective called Gupta's attorney and asked that Gupta turn himself in. The attorney asked whether Gupta could do it the next morning. No, Rampley said, and then he sent officers to the Diabetes and Hypertension Center to pick Gupta up. They found him leaving out the back of the building. He told the officers he just wanted to go home and change clothes. They cuffed him. Dr. Narendra Gupta had spent years dodging criminal accountability for how he treated women. It had finally caught up with him. He spent a night in the Fulton County Jail. Well, just moments ago, a Johns Creek doctor walked out of the Fulton County Jail on bond. Police say Dr. Narendra Gupta inappropriately touched female patients during visits to his clinic. Gupta posted $8,000 bond the next day and was released. The investigation wasn't over. Far from it. Rampley's phone started blowing up with calls from tipsters, patients who said Dr. Gupta had made them uncomfortable, women who said they'd been abused by him too, people with other tips about Gupta's practices and history. Hi, my name is Marjorie Jacobs, M-A-R-J-O-R-I-E, J-A-C-O-B-S, and I'm calling from Ohio, and this is Saturday, um, April 4th, and in our local newspaper here today, the Lima News, there was an article about your police department um, arresting Dr. Narendra Gupta for sexually molesting two patients. Um, I can tell you that I was sexually assaulted by Dr. Gupta as well here in Lima when I was a nurse. Marjorie mailed Rampley copies of Gupta's sworn depositions from her civil case and Gupta's divorce case. Georgia authorities now had evidence that Gupta was a serial sexual predator with a trail of victims extending all the way to Canada. But would it matter? One of the things that we very strongly believe, that destiny, what will be, will be. Rampley talked to the Russian immigrant, the former receptionist. He heard from Gretchen Olds, the job applicant. He also got a call from Crystal Douglas, an ex-patient. Crystal said the doctor had given her an unchaperoned breast exam just a few months before Gupta's arrest when she went in for an echocardiogram. She said she told the doctor she'd just had a mammogram, but he gave her explanations about menstrual cycles and blood pressure. And as with Latoya, he slowly moved an ungloved hand into her pants, she says. I said, I don't think that this is part of what you should be doing. And, and he said, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. I said, no, I don't think you should do it. If it's something that has to do with my, my, you know, gynecological, I will go to my gynecologist. It has something to do with down there. Afterwards, she said, she scheduled her next appointment. Then she got into her car and cried. And so I didn't, I told my husband, my husband wanted to go up there and kick his ass, really. That's what he wanted to do. Um, and he said, let's go back and see him the next day. So we took a drive over there, but his office was, he wasn't there. He wasn't there. The girls were there, but he wasn't there. I didn't say anything. I just left. At that point, you know, I just decided not to do anything about it. I just left it alone because my husband was furious. I remember that night I went home, and when we went to bed that night, I just curled up next to him and I cried and I felt so uncomfortable and he was so mad he was so angry and he he wanted to save me he wanted to do something and he 
his, what could he do? Amid that flurry of calls and tips, Detective Rampley stumbled over another breakdown, another missed opportunity to stop Gupta. This time, it was by Georgia authorities, by Atlanta area police. Detective Rampley. Yes, um, Detective Rampley? Yes, ma'am. I called last night and left a message on the voicemail because I was once under the care of Dr. Gupta three and a half years ago. And um, I tried to report it three and a half years ago to Fulton County Police and they came to my house and they didn't do anything about it and they said that he didn't do anything illegal, but I begged a differ and I am ready to talk. The woman was a school teacher who once lived near Gupta's office. In 2005, her husband had gone to Dr. Gupta for a checkup, and when she started experiencing fatigue, her husband said she should go to Gupta and get checked out, since Gupta was on their insurance plan. She was 31 years old at the time. The woman said Gupta diagnosed her with type 2 diabetes. She cried. The doctor hugged her, stroked the back of her hair, sniffed her hair. I just was like, my whole life's going to change now. I can't even, like, drink a tea from Starbucks. Like, I can't do anything. I can't, I mean, everything's different. And, you know, he was very nice, overly nice. And then he told me, well, I want you to come to some diabetes support groups. The support group meeting was in the evening at his office. She got busy and didn't go. Gupta, she says, called her at home and asked where she was. Then came the next appointment. This time, Gupta's touching and closeness were so, these are her words, over-the-top weird that the woman says she fled the office. She told her husband about Gupta's conduct. He called 911. A little local background here. At this time, in 2005, the area of Fulton County where Gupta practiced was unincorporated. The following year, it would officially become the new city of Johns Creek, part of a cityhood movement that was sweeping Metro Atlanta at the time. Suburban residents served by the distant urban-based county government had a lot of gripes. One of them, half-hearted police service, the woman's husband. They sent a, a patrol officer, a routine officer, to, we were sitting right at our kitchen table. She described the incident to him and he, his answer was, well, it, there was no crime committed. And then he looked over, turned and looked to me and said, well, I know what I would do if I were you. You know, we talked about it and he said, yeah, he's probably a sick man or whatever, but he never, you know, basically brushed it off as there was no crime. And I said to him, well, so that means I can go to work tomorrow and rub my genitalia on my coworker's leg and that's okay? And I forget what his response was. And, he, and that, that may have been when he launched into the, I know what I would do if I were you, if it were my wife. In Georgia, when a person intentionally makes physical contact of an insulting or provoking nature with another person, that's called simple battery. It's a misdemeanor. But the officer never so much as wrote up an incident report. That's the, the most disappointing thing. I think Fulton County police let us down, let the community down. We were angry. I mean, we were just, to know that we tried to stop that, shed light on that, on who he was, years before. The Fulton County Police Department told me it couldn't determine who the officer was that handled the call 12 years ago, nor would the department speak to me about how the officer handled it. There are new developments tonight in the case of a local doctor. He's accused of sexual battery. Tonight, he's out of jail. And more women are coming forward. They say they are victims too. Channel 2's Richard Elliott is live in Johns Creek with the very latest. Monica, we tried to talk to Dr. Gupta as he came out of jail this afternoon, but he wasn't saying anything. 
Dr. Narendra Gupta walks out of the Fulton County Jail to a barrage of reporter questions. Love to hear what you, you, have to say about you care about your... He ignored each one. Dr. Gupta is charged with inappropriately touching a 17-year-old female patient inside an examination room at his Johns Creek Clinic. In his arrest mugshot, Gupta appeared weary and deflated. He now faced two misdemeanor charges, theoretically a maximum two years in jail, but it was about to get worse for him. A few weeks after the arrest, Detective Rampley and Agent Baker talked to another woman on the list compiled by Gupta's nurse. She was a 22-year-old college student of Indian descent. Gupta was her father's doctor, her mother's doctor, and he was helping them take care of her epileptic brother at a reduced cost. So he became her doctor too. She said Gupta diagnosed her with an endocrine disorder, and he asked her to come in regularly. Like other victims, she described him as being overly affectionate, hugging, kissing. He offered to be her mentor, asking her to come in on Sundays when the office was closed. She turned him down. On three occasions, she told Rampley and Baker, Gupta made her stand with her hands against the wall while he massaged her breasts from behind and touched her nipples, just like what the Russian immigrants said he did to her. She also told the investigators that, at an appointment in mid-January, the doctor had touched her genitals. There was no gloves or nothing, and I just ran out of the room. And then, um... And he was in there by himself again? Yeah, there was nobody in there. Rampley realized what he had. This allegation would take the case into felony territory. Now this may get embarrassing, but I need to, you know, depending on what he did, it could be different charges. When he did the vaginal exam mm -hmm. on you, did his finger penetrate you or just did he touch it on the top? No, it went like in. The woman had yet another thing she wanted the investigators to know. She said that a few days before Gupta's arrest on misdemeanor charges, he paid her family a late night visit. And then on March 30th, um, at 12 o'clock at night, he showed up at my house. March 30th? March 30th. 12 o'clock at night, he showed up at my house with his wife. He wanted to speak to my father because he's been hearing some rumors. So um, I told my dad, Dad, he's here. I know why he's here. And my dad was like, well, go upstairs, lock yourself up in the room, and let's see what he has to say. And um, he told my dad he apologizes for what he did to me. And um, he didn't mean to do, make me feel any uncomfortable or anything like that. So um, my dad said, my daughter's is uncomfortable. She's, she's not going to go to you anymore. We're not going to go to you anymore. My dad said, I know everything. My dad said, I, I'm aware of what you've done to my daughter. And my dad's like, I'm not going to take your apology. My dad's like, you just, you know, we'll see what will go on from now on. He was like, I'm just asking for your help. And um, he told my father not to say that he came to the house, but I think you guys should know that. Rampley had heard enough. He and Baker went to the Diabetes and Hypertension Center together. Rampley told Gupta he had a warrant for his arrest. They walked to a back hallway out of sight of employees and patients, and Rampley handcuffed him. It had been 13 days since he bonded out before. The new charge, aggravated sexual battery, carried a minimum mandatory sentence of 25 years in prison. This time, Gupta had some trouble getting out. He spent 15 nights in the Fulton County Jail before his new defense attorney got him released on a $125,000 bond. A judge required he surrender his passport, 
wear an ankle monitor, and be restricted to his home, work, and attorney's office. The freelance writer, Cavita Chibber, said the Northside's Indian-American community was in disbelief about the charges. The reaction was shock and then silence. Nobody wanted to really get involved. I was probably amongst the handful of people who actually reached out to him to find out what had happened. Um, and uh, I've always felt that, you know, um, justice must be tempered with compassion. And also, you have to not judge people until every all the details come out. And the more I read about it, uh, the more it saddened me because when I looked at all the Ohio papers at the time and, uh, and looked through everything that was there, um, you know, the whole thing started looking just more and more darker than I had actually ever thought possible. Cavita emailed him, saying she hoped the truth would come out and she wished him the best. He replied, thanks, Vinny. While Gupta was locked up, the state medical board suspended his medical license, effectively shuttering his Johns Creek office. One more thing before we go. On the first of those 11 pages from medical board agent Baker, which I found in the DA's case file, there's a line that says, disciplinary history, two previous cases, both closed. Because of confidentiality laws, we have no way of ever knowing what two things the state medical board may have looked into about Gupta before 2009. But with the criminal case, Georgia had a chance to finally make up for any past oversights. Wait until you hear what Atlanta's top prosecutor did. What do you think needs to happen? What do you want him to happen to this doctor? I just, I just don't want like another person to happen the same thing, you know, as me. And um, just to, to not happen to one other person again and stuff. I guess an more important question is what do you want to take place about this? Do you want, are you, want to pursue criminal charges against him or everything possible. A postscript. Earlier, you'll recall, we talked to a school teacher who was diagnosed by Gupta as being diabetic. She says it later turned out that she didn't have the condition. And remember the teenager whose father called 911? In the family's lawsuit against Dr. Gupta, the legal team brought in a doctor from North Carolina to review the young woman's charts. The doctor said Gupta had subjected the teenager to breast exams when she'd come in for headaches, rashes, sinus trouble, and depression. All unnecessary. The doctor also said Gupta had misdiagnosed her with diabetes. Her tests were normal. I want you to know a lot of things can be changed. The progression can definitely be stopped, but I want you to know that regression, that means the disease can be made to go backwards, this is possible today. And so find a good doctor, find a good person who will take good care of you and things can get better. Thank you. Still to come on Breakdown, Gupta faces the Georgia criminal justice system. Will he finally be stopped? And once again, he gets sued by women saying he abused them. An attorney takes Latoya's case pro bono. It really repulsed me what he did. And like I say, I thought about what if that was my daughter? What if it was my wife? You've been listening to Breakdown, Predator MD, by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The story was reported and told by Johnny Edwards, produced by Richard Hallix. Audio is by Chris Basta of Bare Knuckles Creative in Atlanta. Music was composed and performed by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. Additional music composed and performed by Chris Basta. Special thanks to Bert Roten, Sean McIntosh, Lois Norder, Buddy Hall, and Chris Nicholson. 
ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.